Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the city of Findlay is about to get an upgrade to its public protection classification. Mayor Christina Murren and Fire Chief Josh Eberly explain what that means for the city and what it could mean for city residents. Also this morning, early voting and absentee voting begins today in Ohio ahead of next month's all-important midterms. We have everything you need to know about casting your ballot in advance of Election Day. And Halloween is fun for kids of all ages, but not so much for animals in the household. We'll tell you what to keep in mind to make the holiday less scary for your pet. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. Today is National Savings Day. It is actually uh, also National Gumbo Day, National Pulled Pork Day, a little pulled pork and some gumbo today, Old Farmers Day, World Arthritis Day, <laughs> and I know a lot of folks will love this. It is the International Moment of Frustration Scream Day. <laughs> so if you feel the need to just let out a scream out of frustration today, uh, you can have that moment because this is the day for it, apparently. So it's supposed to rain a little bit uh, today. Uh, get some uh, showers, maybe a few rumbles of thunder even. And uh, very windy in the forecast all of that is later, nothing this morning that we have to worry about, but uh, it could get a little soggy. This is kind of interesting. A new study from Northwestern University says it is raining more in the United States than ever before, and it may be due to climate change. Yes, that's right. Rainfall has increased in 16 out of the 17 regions of the United States. They break those regions down 16 out of 17 have seen increased rainfall the greatest jump in rainfall east of the rocky mountains and they believe this is because warmer air holds more moisture and uh with the climate warming with the planet warming it's interesting because uh most climate change studies examine extreme weather events you know, like uh, hurricanes and uh, that kind of thing. For this particular study, though, uh, says researcher Daniel Horton then at uh, Northwestern University, for this particular study, we wanted to look at non-extreme events, which are, by definition, much more common. And the theory is, the principle here is, if every time it rains, it rains a little bit more, then the risk of flooding goes up. And I go on to say that these observations in this study are consistent with the effects of global warming. So it's not just extreme events. It's just a more everyday common rainfall. Kind of interesting. Um, especially since, you know, rain today. When was the last time we got a good soaking rain? It's been a couple of weeks. So it doesn't seem like it's raining more often. Maybe that's, but it's sort of like uh, watching a kid grow up. You don't notice it, but somebody who hasn't seen your kid, and except for like at the holidays, will the first thing they'll say is, oh, you're getting so big and you're growing up so much. You don't notice it because you're around your teenager every day. But when your kid is growing, other people notice it. 
uh, if they don't, you know what I mean? It's kind of the same same way. Uh, we tend to take note of extreme weather events, but not the everyday occurrences. So this is an interesting study uh, in that respect. Anyway, uh, so Fat Bear Week uh, wrapped up yesterday. Fat Bear Tuesday. Um, you recall we were talking about this last week that uh, folks could vote for their favorite fat bear at the Katmine uh, National Park in Alaska. And the uh, brown bear named 747 uh, is reclaiming his title as Fat Bear Week champion. Uh, let's see here. Competition is held each year uh, around this time at Alaska's Brooks River in Katmai National Park, where the bears bulk up on salmon to prepare for the long winter hibernation ahead. The single elimination tournament pits 12 bears against each other in an online bracket to see who is the king of chonk. <laughs> And for the second time in three years, 747 was crowned the king of the river, beating the nearest competitor by over 10,000 votes. Um, It says, few brown bears ever grow as large as the bear who shares an identification number with the jetliner of superior size. When 747 was first identified in 2004, he was a relatively young bear and was unable to compete with the larger bears for the most preferred fishing locations. Since then, apparently he has taken that as inspiration uh, and motivation to bulk up. He has become one of the largest brown bears on Earth, weighing an estimated 1,400 pounds. He is a skilled and efficient angler who is found fishing most often near the far pool of Brooks Falls. And it's interesting, the... Bear watchers, the uh, bear experts, uh, animal scientists say, although dominant bears can maintain their rank in the hierarchy through aggression, 747 typically keeps his status by sheer size alone. Most bears recognize that they cannot compete with him physically and they will yield space upon his approach. Now, that's my kind of bear right there. (laughs) Uh, 747, a repeat winner, having claimed the Fat Bear Week title in 2020 as well. So there you go. 747 is your Fat Bear Week champion. So I wanted to make sure that we uh, uh, followed up story from last week. Then I want to make sure that we are complete in our reporting here. So, um, You know how you keep hearing uh, more and more stories of robots in the workplace, Uh, automation robots taking over the workplace. Well, apparently this can have a negative impact on morale in the workplace. Imagine that. What's interesting, though, and it's probably not surprising that the more you automate jobs that used to be done by people, the people in in the workplace become more disheartened and... It has an impact on morale. It's probably not a surprise. But what is a surprise to this, according to this study from the National University of Singapore, is that the robots have a negative impact on morale, even in industries where they are not being used. Uh, Robots contribute to feelings of burnout and job insecurity. Uh, Self-affirmation exercises reminding workers of what makes humans special seem to help with those feelings. Dr. Kai-Chi Yam says most people are overestimating the capabilities of robots and underestimating their own capabilities. Basically, he is saying is that 
Uh, yes, robots are becoming more commonplace in the workplace, uh, in the workforce, but they are not necessarily coming for your job. Now, the jobs that are the most vulnerable would be meat packers, cleaners, and builders. Uh, face the highest risk of being replaced by automation. Teachers, lawyers, and physicists are still relatively safe. So. <laughs> I would hope that uh, teachers and lawyers would be... I'm not sure that I want to hire a robot lawyer. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, that seems... Uh, if you are stressed out, uh, maybe because you are at risk of being replaced by a robot, um, if technology is causing you stress, then technology, it only makes sense, should have the solution. A website has designed an artificial purr engine that plays customizable cat purring sounds to calm you during moments of turmoil. <laughs> Technology is stressing you out. Technology to the rescue. We can't always have a purring lap cat with us, but purly.com is a good solution. The internet has a cat, says purly.com. It's P-U-R-R-L-I.com. Visitors can start a purring sound and then uh, adjust the type of purr, whether it's a playful, excited purr or a sleepy, breathy purr. The sound of a purring cat, one of the most comforting sounds on earth, and we can help soothe and calm you down when you're feeling stressed, they say on their website. <laughs> I would think that there's always that knowledge in the back of your mind that it's only a computer. And I, so I just don't know how uh, effective that would be. But you can try it out. Again, it's uh, P-U-R-R-L-I dot com. Purley dot com. Uh, speaking of pets, experts say this is kind of interesting. You know how uh, dogs in particular, well, cats too, but uh, dogs especially have different personalities. Different breeds have different personalities. Um, and experts say that the dog breed you choose also says something about your personality. A study of 1,500 pet owners of 16 different breeds of dog took personality tests that measured whether an introvert or an extrovert, uh, how open they are with others, uh, their level of agreeableness, if that's a word, uh, emotional stability, conscientiousness, things like that. Uh, owners of Jack Russell Terriers and Cocker Spaniels are the ones that tend to be most loyal toward other people. We're talking about the owners here, not the dogs, the owners of the dogs. The owners of Jack Russell Terriers and Cocker Spaniels tend to be the most loyal. Uh, the owners of Golden Retrievers tend to be happy and emotionally stable. Oh, that's good to know. I have a Golden Retriever. Uh, accordingly, uh, apparently I'm happy and emotionally stable. I'm not. Okay. Um, Pomeranian owners tend to be passionate, creative, and free-spirited. Now, years ago, we had a Pomeranian. See, this is the thing. Years ago, we had a Pomeranian, um, but we no longer do. Does that mean that I once was passionate, creative, and free-spirited, but I'm not anymore? I, <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, it turns out the dog you have can say a lot about you. It appears that we can often tell a lot about a person from the type of dog they own, according to Bill Lambert of the Kennel Club. So you go take that for what it's worth. Kind of interesting. And uh, how about this among the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start the day? Here's something to think about. <laughs> a senior member of the Russian parliament has announced that any U.S. states that want to break away from our country to join the Russian Federation will be welcomed. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. Any state that wants to break away and join the Russian Federation would be considered, they say. The comments come a week after Russia declared that four regions of Ukraine had become Russian territory following, quote-unquote, referendums. I'm using air quotes here. Referendums that were widely criticized uh, by not only Ukraine, but the United States and much of the West as uh, being a sham. (laughs) If there are any U.S. states, show of hands, any U.S. states want to break away and join the Russian Federation? (laughs) i didn't think so (laughs) but if there are uh they would they would welcome your participation (laughs) there you go some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your wednesday morning started wfin news i'm matt demchek your wtol 11 weather it'll be mostly cloudy and windy today a high of 75 a chance of showers tonight a low of 50 This is Fire Prevention Week, and we spoke with the Finley Fire Department about ways to keep you and your family safe. Inspector Eric Wilkins says make sure you and your family have a plan in case of a fire. Of course, the most important thing is practice, practice, practice. Practice until it becomes second nature. Fires these days, they grow faster, they burn hotter, they produce more toxic smoke. 30 years ago, the NFPA said you had 17 minutes to escape a fire. Today, you really only have three. He says your family's plan should include knowing two ways out of every room, having a meeting place, and practicing that plan at least twice a year. Get more of our conversation with Inspector Wilkins about Fire Prevention Week on the website. Honda has announced plans to bring a multi-billion dollar project to the Buckeye State in an effort to make Ohio a hub for electric vehicle production. Governor Mike DeWine said it's a huge part of our state's future. This new facility will bring at least 2,200 new jobs to Ohio. Honda will also invest $700 million into several existing production plants. Onan's Tracy Townsend reporting that this projected $4.4 billion project will be built in Fayette County. A survey of more than 800 registered voters in Ohio looked at the favorability of candidates running for office. The Baldwin-Wallace University Ohio Pulse poll shows 56% of Ohioans find Governor Mike DeWine favorable, 39% unfavorable. His lesser-known opponent, Democrat Nan Whaley's rating, is 28% favorable and 39% unfavorable. In the U.S. Senate race, Democrat Tim Ryan's rating is 41% favorable, 39% unfavorable. Republican J.D. Vance, 35% favorable to 47% unfavorable. Dave James, Owen and News. Early voting is underway now, and Election Day is on Tuesday, November 8th. The city of Finley is letting drivers know that a portion of West Sandusky Street from South Quarry to Southwest Street will be closed for a portion of today for repairs after being damaged in a previous water line break. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. 
So now to our cover story this morning. The city of Findlay is about to get an upgrade to its public protection classification rating. We are joined this morning by Finley Mayor Christina Mern and Fire Chief Josh Eberly to uh, talk about what that means for the city, what it could mean for city residents. Thanks to both of you for uh, dropping by this morning. First of all, let's explain what the public protection classification rating is. What <laughs> What is that exactly? That's a great question. Um, so really, it's a, a methodology of evaluating communities for how well they respond to emergency events. And um, obviously, specifically looking at fire response, because that typically produces the most damage. Mm -hmm. Um, So the chief could probably talk even more in depth about it uh, and all the nuances if someone was really (laughs) interested. But it's really about how do how do we respond as a community? That was uh, actually going to be the next question is how is this determined? What goes into determining a city's uh, public protection classification? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's it's actually a very detailed analysis. Um, it's an evaluation of the fire department and their capabilities, the water supply um, and water distribution, and also the dispatch center and their ability to communicate that emergency information to um, to responding fire crews. So, because I, the the logical question is, uh, is it something that that we proactively can do to improve the rating? I mean, you know, are these things that we proactively do to improve the rating or? You know, uh, how much of that is really within our direct control? Yeah, so there are a number of things. And over the last, you know, five plus years, Chief Everly and members of our team had kind of laid out a plan on how do we continue to improve it. One, because it's good for us to make some of these adjustments to improve our response also to achieve this rating, which we'll talk about some of the benefits Mm -hmm. here momentarily. Some of those items are training, manpower, um, the dispatch system and how it communicates, how it interacts with our folks out in the field, talking about water pressure supply and that information being within our CAD system. So, for example, you know, I think a lot of times folks don't realize how technical, <laughs> I'll talk about fire response, you know, how technical fire response is when you're looking at what water pressure you need from different directions. They're, you know, looking at our different system and saying, hey, we're pulling this much off of one fire hydrant. We need to connect to this one over here so we're not pulling from the same, you know, kind of supply line in that Mm -hmm. area. They need to be able to have that information readily available, understanding, you know, last year I was on scene at a fire and we were getting, you know, water puddling in the roadway and it was cold. So we didn't want it to get icy. You know, we wanted it to be able to drain out. So we're, you know, calling engineering and figuring out where are the different mm. drains at so we can help clear it. Yeah. You know, so. a lot of things go into that. <laughs> I mean, we, those are we minor. See, yeah, we see the uh, fire trucks respond and we don't think of uh, all of the things that, you know, go uh, go into that. So uh, what are the benefits to the city? Uh, I mean, do does the city get anything uh, out of this specifically when this classification goes up? Um. So really, the, the insurance um, service office, the ISO rating, um, which is really in conjunction with this, identifies w- the response and then the corresponding risk, which means that insurance uh, premiums most likely will be positively impacted, so should decrease. Um, and so obviously, we, we pay insurance just like everybody else mm-hmm. for all of our assets, so we do expect that we'll receive some benefit. Um, I think, you know, when we're looking at grant opportunities, you know, when we say that we have improved services, that may open up some additional doors. But really, I think what we're most excited about is 
um, being able to provide the benefit and hopefully decrease insurance ratings for our businesses and residents. We recognize that anything we can do to decrease costs and make it more beneficial for citizens and businesses to locate here, um, that's something that we're thinking of continuously. And we, we see us as competing, especially on the business side, competing for business every day. So every little adjustment we can make to improve um, our ability to, to support them and attract them um, is, is positive. And uh, then as the mayor alluded to, Obviously, a benefit for residents, homeowners insurance, a big part of that is uh, fire uh, response and the speed of uh, response, the quality of response, uh, obviously, uh, hopefully, will uh, translate to lower uh, insurance costs for residents. Yeah, that's correct. And it's it's difficult to quantify exactly um, what the benefit will be because each individual insurance carrier uses this information differently. Mm-hmm. So it's not a standard um reduction if you go from a class three to a two or a class two to a one. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, there is a reduction in, in insurance premiums for homeowners and businesses alike. And uh, as the mayor was mentioning, uh, this is a concerted effort. You look at what you can do to improve. One of those things is uh, through training, and I know that is an, an ongoing thing. And, and here in, in recent years, made some big strides in terms of uh, training for local uh, fire crews. Yeah, and and going back to a question you had just a minute ago, um, there are some uh, benefits that we receive on our ISO evaluation just from our day-to-day operations. For instance, um, replacing water lines as they get old or fire hydrants as they get old, that helps us because um, it improves our supply capacity capacity and our distribution. There are other very deliberate things that we've been trying to do that, um, that will help us eventually as well. Um, one thing that we've been talking about for years is is the Strick Center training facility. Mm-hmm. Um, that w- will absolutely positively impact our ISO evaluation the next time around. Um, and it's a fairly significant portion of um, the training evaluation for the fire department. Uh, you mentioned uh, further improvement. So uh, Finley goes from a class three to a class two, right? right? And so you can still go to a class three. There's still room for improvement on top of uh, everything that's been done. Correct. The class one is the highest level of mm-hmm. performance. And as the chief mentioned, you know, there are still a number of factors that we believe are going Im- to continue to improve that score. The strict center, most notably, you know, unfortunately it wasn't done this round, Um to be evaluated as, as part of it, but and, that means that we're p- well positioned for future improvement. And and how often is this uh, reevaluated? Which uh, you know we should mention <laughs> that. Yeah, um, historically it was every ten years. Okay, so it's a commitment for sure. Um, ISO is trying to reduce that down to five years. Right now they're at about a seven year um, reevaluation. Okay, period. because and and that's uh, rather significant because uh, folks may remember about ten years ago uh, there was some discussion of closing fire station number four, reallocating uh, resources, uh, maybe moving a fire station. A lot of things were were thrown out there on the table because of the way the city had uh, developed and so on. Were the crews uh, located where they could be most useful. One of the concerns about closing a fire station was how it would imp- impact this very rating. Mm-hmm. Is that still something that is, again, that was big news about a decade ago. Um, and eventually, as we know, all of the fire stations stayed put and, and remained open. But is that something that is still on the table and is, is uh, evaluated periodically? We are always looking at 
how to best utilize our resources. And as we see, you know, some of our facilities aging, that's certainly a conversation we're having on, you know, do we make improvements to existing firehouses? Do we look at, you know, relocating as different things have grown? Mm -hmm. Um, There's not been any discussion about eliminating any of our our stations or, uh, but we are definitely talking continuously about how do we position ourselves? What are our needs? What do things look like in five, 10, 20 years? Um, and so right now we're, we're well positioned to continue to address the citizens. Um, but as we see some gr- growth in certain areas that may be adjusted. Yeah. Uh, because again, I, I remember at the time there was some discussion, the uh, station at uh, McManus and, and Tiffin Avenue, fairly close to fire station number four uh, out there um, uh, on that end of town as well. And then is that uh, enough coverage with one station as opposed to two? Are there areas where we don't have enough coverage? I mean, you know, again, behind the scenes conversations that are constantly taking place. They are. Um, and, and Fire Station 3 at Tiffin and McManus is a great example because that's our oldest station and it was built in 1956, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're having that discussion now is at some point in the short or shorter long term, mm-hmm. we'll have to replace that station. Yeah. And is it eventually the, like everything? Correct. Yeah. Is it in the ideal location or do we shift that one way or the other? And we'll do that through data analysis and look at our run volume and where those calls are taking place. Um, that station is a little bit closer to downtown um, than it is to the east side of town. But we also have to kind of predict where our growth is going to be and right. where to best you know position those resources. Yeah. Uh, so again, the good news today being that the public protection classification rating has uh, gone, I guess, up or down depending on how you want to look at it, but uh, has improved. Let's put it that way. Uh, benefits to the city, benefits to uh, city residents uh, as a result, most likely. Yeah, so good definitely. News. And this will take effect January first of twenty twenty three. So we encourage residents to touch base with your insurance carrier and as you're updating your information for next year or for your policy that they are aware of this improvement um, and hopefully they'll be able to see uh, some cost savings um, and recognize that even if there's not a dollar savings on their bill that the city of Finley is working to make sure that they have a safe um, community where we're able to respond to to their needs at any moment. A validation uh, of that, and so a lot of peace of mind involved there uh, as well. Certainly don't want to underestimate that. Again, Mayor Christina Mern, Fire Chief uh, Josh Eberly with us uh, this morning. Thank you both for dropping yeah. by. We appreciate it. Great to see you, Chris. It. Thank you. Well, early voting for the November election now underway in the state of Ohio with voting issues at the top of everyone's mind these days. We are joined by Jody O'Brien at the Hancock County Board of Elections. And I, I Jody, I think the, a good place to start is the difference between early voting and absentee voting. That probably sounds kind of basic, but it's actually referring to two different things, even though sometimes we use those terms interchangeably, right? Correct. Um I would describe absentee voting as those that uh, send in a voting application or a registration application mm-hmm. for us to mail them an absentee ballot, and then early voting would happen in our office. Okay, so uh, if somebody wanted to participate in early voting, uh, then how do they go about doing this? Is it simply uh, simple as just dropping by? Yes, they would just come into our office. And um, we would vote them, and they would vote on a um, machine, or they can vote a paper ballot. 
and there is uh, no appointment necessary. You don't have to, again, compared to absentee voting, you have to have the request for the absentee ballot and so on. So early voting avoids all of that. Correct. Correct. Um, Our early voting in the office starts at um, 8 a.m., and we are open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And, and um, so then the, the last week prior to the election, which is um, October 31st to November 4th, mm-hmm. we are, our office is open 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Okay, so anytime during those hours, folks can stop in and vote early. Now, absentee voting, as we mentioned, uh, is the, the one where you send in the application for an absentee ballot, and then you uh, get that back in the mail. Correct. Correct. We have to have an application to send out an absentee ballot to those people. Right now, we have about 3,600 absentee applications. And where would folks uh, find that? Is that on your website, that uh, that form? or uh, Yes, it's okay. on our website. It's on the Secretary of State's website. Okay. Um, we have a drop box out um, behind. Uh, by our office at 201 East Lincoln Street in the the back of the building, and they can get an application there. Uh Aha. Okay. Um, And when do those applications have to be in? Because obviously you have to have time to get the absentee ballot then back to the voter. Correct. The last time that we will send out absentee ballots from our office is noon on the Saturday prior to the election. Okay. So, uh, again, uh, date to keep in mind. That would be November yeah, uh, November no- 5th. November 5th, okay. Um, so, and do the absentee ballots have to be mailed back? You mentioned uh, the Dropbox uh, outside the office. We do have a Dropbox outside the office that's monitored by a camera 24-7, so they could drop it there, they can bring it back into the office, and anytime we are open, or they can mail it back to us. And the deadline for those ballots to be returned is what, Election Day itself? Election day at 7.30. Okay. And uh, again, because voting security has been so much uh, of a top-of-mind issue, you mentioned that the drop box is continuously monitored, so you know that uh, no tampering has been done. But come election day, what is to prevent someone from voting again if they have already cast an early vote or an absentee vote? Uh, We have that on our records and it would be noted in the when they would go to the polls. We have electronic poll books, and it would already be noted that they had voted absentee. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, a question that I'm sure some folks have asked uh, in the past as well. By the way, you have everything that people could possibly want to know about voting and what we are voting on at your website. We try to, to keep it up to date, yes. And again, one of the things that I think is the the handiest part of that is that part about what we are voting on. Folks can actually uh, see a sample ballot, read the ballot language and and so on for the issues and such that they will be voting on. We were talking just uh, about a week or so ago that uh, there are a couple of statewide issues and such and and people can read all of that uh, information in advance of showing up uh, on election day so that they are familiar with all of those issues. That is correct. So again, uh, Jody O'Brien, the Hancock County Board of Elections with us this morning. Uh, Let's mention again your location, the hours, and uh, all of that. 
Okay, we are uh, located at 201 East Lincoln Street in the back of State Bank. Um, and it, there is construction going on <laughs> on Lincoln Street. So of you course might there have to is. Wind, <laughs> you might have to wind around a couple of streets to, to get to us, but I'm sure that you'll be able to, to find us. And we start voting in the office early at 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. And then starting on... Um, October 31st to November 4th, we're open from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. We're open two Sundays prior to the election, October 29th and November 5th from 8 to 4. And then we're open on the Sunday prior to the election on November 6th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. So certainly plenty of opportunities to uh, make your voice heard in this all-important midterm election. Jody O'Brien, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. 20 years of good mornings on WFIN. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Now, I would think that if you woke up one morning and noticed that there was a large sum of money in your bank account, an abnormally large sum of money that had been deposited into your bank account, you your first thought would be, well, this has got to be a mistake, right? I think that would be the normal reaction. One couple, however, <laughs> thought that they had won the lottery or won a big contest or something and decided to spend the more than $10 million that suddenly appeared in their bank account. (laughs) Well, we must have won a contest. We must have won big. Let's go on a shopping spree. $10 million showed up in their uh, bank account. Uh, This is a report out of The Guardian. Uh, It actually happened in, I think, I want to say India, uh, I believe it was. The uh, couple's names, I can't even pronounce uh, Thurman Mangori Maniville and uh, his partner Jatinder Singh went on a shopping spree after $10.5 million showed up in their account, and now <laughs> they are facing jail time. Basically, it was an erroneous cryptocurrency refund that was supposed to be like 100 bucks, and somehow ended up uh, more than $10 million. The pair claimed that they thought they had won a contest from Crypto.com. The uh, company, for their part, initially had no idea that they had accidentally refunded someone $10 million until they actually audited their books. It was then determined that a worker entered the wrong number into an Excel spreadsheet (laughs) and the money went to the couple. Oh, it says you're from Australia. It was... uh, uh, from Australia, the couple, the couple though, uh, when they got the funds, went wild, buying four houses and sending four million dollars to another bank account in Malaysia, which kind of makes you think that they knew something was up. They're trying to move that money around. Uh, they bought multiple vehicles, uh, furniture, gifts for friends. Well, that's nice, Ms. Uh, Ms. Singh. Claimed she thought she had won a crypto.com competition. Um, 
Mr. Manville tried fleeing the country and was caught with thousands of dollars in cash. Again, kind of gives you the idea that maybe they knew something was up. Um, They have been charged with theft from Commonwealth Bank, among other things. Um, They have paid back most of the funds, it says here, but about $3 million is still outstanding. (laughs) Wow, they bought four houses. (laughs) Now, the story doesn't say how long it took for the bank to catch on to the fact that... uh, they had made the error, but uh, the, this couple didn't waste any time <laughs> in going on their shopping spree. Oh, goodness. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, speaking of money, taking money that doesn't belong to you, an Oklahoma woman is pleading guilty to stealing more than $450,000 from her employer. Uh, federal officials say Darla Braley, Braley? Uh, paid for personal expenses with the uh, with the money. Uh, she was the payroll administrator uh, at her workplace, and according to the Justice Department, she had signature authority over the uh, bank account, the main bank account, and uh, that's how she was able to abscond with nearly a half million dollars. She pled guilty to uh, wire fraud and making a false tax return. She faces more than 20 years in prison. What makes this story uh, rather interesting and worthy of the broken broken news is that Ms. Brawley's employer, <clears throat> the St. Paul the Apostle Catholic Church in Newcastle, Oklahoma, <laughs> she stole nearly a half million dollars from a church. Oh, she says she, she uh, faces 20 years in prison and probably an even stiffer sentence in the hereafter, if you know what I mean. That's, that's a good way to get into big, big trouble. <clears throat> Here's an interesting uh, story. If you think we are not alone in the universe, uh, at least uh, some scientists at the University of California, Riverside, may have found the proof that you needed that we are indeed not alone in the universe. Uh, these uh, UC Riverside scientists have found a particular substance in space that could be proof that aliens not only exist, but they like to party. <laughs> Apparently, they have found evidence of nitrous oxide in space. Laughing gas. And they have no idea where uh, it, it came from. Um. It says, so how did the scientists find this substance deep in space? It was an attempt to find other signs of life. Uh, Scientists felt that searching for nitrous oxide could lead to a habitable planet somewhere out there. Fewer researchers have seriously considered nitrous oxide, but we think that may be a a mistake, one of the astrobiologists said in a statement. Uh, Eddie Schwederman's team crunched the numbers and used a model to find planets with nitrous oxide-rich atmospheres. Well, they found deep space laughing gas, and they are not sure of its origins. So, I'm thinking an alien party bus. (laughs) Out there. (laughs) Um, Apparently, it's one of those things that, I don't know. 
nobody can explain. So, I guess party aliens is about as reasonable an explanation as anything else. Why not? <laughs> we get invaded by uh, aliens. It's not to destroy the planet. It's to have a big party. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, thousands of line workers have uh, gone to Florida uh, to repair the electrical lines that were damaged and destroyed in Hurricane Ian. Um, there are still thousands of people without power, and so they've been bringing in linesmen from all over the country. And apparently, their wives have taken to social media with a message. Stay away from my man. <laughs> the concern, apparently, among the wives of these linesmen is that single Florida women will attempt to steal some of these men away from their families. <laughs> uh, one user on social media on TikTok uh, posted a video saying, I stand with all the linemen wives as they prepare to take on Florida's bucket bunnies. Bucket bunnies. <laughs> the women who are looking to steal the linemen away from their families. Is this a serious problem? Is this a... <laughs> I had no idea that this was a, uh, a big issue. Um, and apparently this is uh, causing a bit of a stir. Uh, the uh, hashtags lineman, linewife, and bucket bunny now have hundreds of millions of views uh, on social media. Uh However, others say the responsibility should fall on the men. One user encourages single women in Florida to post about the linemen that they see on Tinder so that their wives can catch them in the act of cheating on them while they're down there. So there is always that. So who knows? There uh, you go. <laughs> Bucket bunnies. <laughs> that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news. Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Appalachia with OSU Extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. With inflation at its highest point in decades, a new survey finds that it is not only taking a toll on folks' uh, personal budgets, but also on their personal lives as well, on their love lives. <laughs> Yeah, inflation impacting our love life. Lending Tree posted uh, polled nearly uh, nearly sixteen hundred Americans in this poll to find out how they were holding up in the getting out there department, and one in five said that they simply can't afford to date as much as they would like to because of inflation. Uh, no surprise then that seventy seven percent of those in the poll admitted that dating would be easier if they had more money. Uh, 83% of men felt that way compared to 73% of women, uh, according to the poll. 
So a little bit higher for men than women, but usually men pay on a date, so you would expect that, I guess. On a related note, the poll also revealed more than half of the male respondents believe that a man should pay on a date with the opposite sex. Just 26% of women feel the daters should split the tab. 32% of you would think maybe that that would be more popular as the cost goes up to go Dutch, you know, to split the cost because it's more expensive. But uh, (laughs) women say uh, no. (laughs) 32% of respondents said that they would still take somebody out even if they couldn't afford it. Uh, More men than women willing to go into debt to date. In fact, millennials were among those most likely to incur debt because of their dating habits. Again, probably not surprising because you're in those prime dating years. The survey also revealed that 6% of Americans have had their credit card declined on a date. Man, if that isn't the ultimate indignation, have your credit card turned down when you're with a date. Uh, Those who earn more don't have to worry about that. The poll also showed that those with salaries uh, from $75,000 a year on up to those making six figures have the best chance to snag that coveted second date. It's not all about the money, but uh, it is not a non-factor either, as it uh, as it turns out. But I guess, again, that makes sense. Uh, if you are uh, more likely to be able to afford a date, particularly a really nice date, you are probably more likely to score that second date. So. Make of that what you will. Natalie Reffitt is here from the Hancock County Humane Society. And who did you bring with you Good here this morning? morning? I brought Forrest. Forrest. Yes. And he is a very handsome young man. He's about six months old and he is a cat. Mm-hmm. He is a gray tiger, but not just a tiger. He has like kind of swirl patterns swirl in his fur, fur. Yeah. And he is a special guy. He only has three legs. Now, did he come to you that way, or he did he? He did come to us with like his back left leg was injured. There was it wasn't okay. fully there. Oh, okay. Um, but our vet had to do like the rest of the amputation. So, so you it. don't know the the full story. No, of we're not really how... sure. He okay. was found just he was found in a drain in a sewer drain here oh, in town. Oh, goodness! So it could have been like when he fell. It yeah, could, he could have been attacked. Yeah. We're just not real sure hmm. what happened. But he is uh, he is just fine now and he fully is. recovered. He and is fully recovered. Can he still run? He you can know, run. Yes, he run, can. forest, run, yes. and all of that. Yeah, yes. he yes. would have to run. You'd have to change yeah. his name. <laughs> but he is he is a little uh, he's a little timid yeah, it seems right now he's a little bit shy so if you adopt if someone adopts him we would just recommend that you keep him like in a spare bedroom or a bathroom that way he can get acclimated to your house right that way it's not That's, so overwhelming that may be a good idea for any yeah, uh, for, pet yes. to limit how much of the house yes. a- at first so they're not overwhelmed because I, they're just sense. they're used to living in the shelter and then yeah now does Forrest get along with other animals or would um, he be better in a uh, as a solo pet as far as we know he gets along with other animals he's mm-hmm. not shown any signs that he wouldn't be good Mm -hmm. um but when if you already have an existing cat specifically it's better that your cat's bigger 
because it's easier to introduce a younger, smaller Aha. cat to your household. Okay. All right. Otherwise, you could have like some territorial issues. Like they could just like start fighting. They could yeah. stop using. Is he because I mean I'm sure that you know the cat is aware that the cat only has three legs. Does that is he a little bit uh, nervous? Like say around dogs, is he a little um, apprehensive because he's, he's a little he bit like when like when the shelter dogs come up to him, he's like whoa because yeah. um, <laughs> he's right out in the front lobby. But he doesn't. I, after, you know, they're just looking yeah. at him, then he's like, oh, okay. okay like, whatever. So I don't think that bothers him <laughs> Okay. Anymore. I think uh, it's just the initial, like, you know how dogs are just in your face. They're yes, just like, hey. Yes, yeah. He's like, mm. He does uh, appear to love loving. Yes, he yes. does. <laughs> he's such a nice guy. He's has really soft fur. So if anyone's interested in adopting, they can there give us go. a call at 419 423 one six six four, or visit our website. And uh, he is uh, certainly a, a good boy. So uh, Forrest is among the pets uh, up for adoption. Yes. We were uh, mentioning a little bit earlier. You know, we're into the Halloween season. It is the time for frights and yes. you know scary things, and it's all in fun for kids and for kids of all ages. But not always so much for your pets. This is a time of the year where you have to be really cognizant of the fact that the, that pets can't really tell the difference when you're being serious and when right. you're just pretending. Yes. yes, absolutely. And especially like for trick or treat too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, if your dog is going to bark at people like, and if your dar- dog is prone to running out the door, mm-hmm. and if you are going to be passing out candy, yeah. Please put your dog away. Yeah. So that way your dog isn't running out. So your dog isn't attacking anyone with well, a mask. Yeah, like because, that. again, you've got a lot of uh, people in costume, uh, obviously, coming yes. to the door. And that can be a little startling for a dog, even when maybe they're not uh, usually apprehensive yes. or scared. Yes, they can get scared. That's absolutely true. We just definitely recommend to put them away, put them in their own space mm-hmm. so that way they can feel comfortable in their house. Um, and also people like to dress their pets up. I am one of those people, <laughs> but you have to be aware of what your pet wants. Like yeah. I have a pet that does not want to be dressed up. So I have to not dress that pet up. Right. But- Especially. And, and again, I'll see it on uh, Halloween night or trick or treat night where people will be taking their pets for a walk yes. uh, again pets don't know what all of this is about yes. and you've got a lot of people and so the pet has to have the right demeanor that's to, you're absolutely that. correct and it would be ideal if you took a picture of your pet like that day before the night mm. before in case he or she runs out you'll have a picture of them a very good point if you are especially dressing up the uh, pets make sure that they still have their collar on with yes. the tags and and all of that yes, so that they can yes, be identified yes. um and you know the other thing if you are uh, hesitant to you know lock the dog in a room uh or or even the cat because you know cats, cats sometimes can, can make they a can, yeah. make a mad dash for an open door uh maybe you just go on the porch instead of yes. opening and closing the door at the end of the driveway That's or whatever. That's a very good idea. So. Um, also, like if you're having a holiday or Halloween parties, mm. it's good to put your pet away. Mm-hmm. I know it's not fair, very fair to the pet, and <laughs> that's what we hear. Like, well, it's not fair to lock them up. It's their home. That's correct, but you want them in the home instead of running away. Exactly. You know, the other uh, danger for pets when it comes to Halloween is with the trick-or-treat treats uh, themselves and a lot of those not just the candy uh, can be very dangerous as well you need to please keep 
keep the treats away. If you feel guilty that you're having a treat or your kids are having a snack, you get milk bones for your dog or yeah. whatever they can have. Yeah. Um, cat treats. Get, give them animal-appropriate snacks. Yeah, so uh, especially the chocolates we know are, are bad for uh, for pets. Are bad, yes. um, uh, artificial sweeteners can yes. be uh, potentially deadly. And even, the, even those treats that uh, every kid uh, will get, and let's be honest, they're not wild about like the little packs of raisins. Oh, those are those deadly. Are, those are those are deadly. Those are very deadly. Yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, don't think you can just pass those on to the <laughs> no, dog. That is a do very not, bad yeah. idea. So definitely keeping the candy uh, away. away from the uh, the pets. And I, I have to ask about this because I wonder whether this is reality or more of an urban legend. The fact that, uh, or the the old uh, story that uh, has been going around for years that Halloween particularly dangerous for black cats. Um, that's more of a myth and an urban legend. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been at the shelter for almost seventeen years, and we've never had a report of any like we've never had a serious report of something happening to mm-hmm. black cats. So that um, is good to know. Yes, that is good. But to know. I mean, just be just be cautious. But at the same any, time, any any pets, any because if someone's going to do something bad, they're going to do it to probably any animal that they can. Good. So point. if you do see yeah. something, please give us a call at four one nine four two three one six six. And of course, uh, again, use caution when it comes to your pets. You don't want them to get loose. You don't want them to get out. Uh, you don't want them to be scared this time of year. Uh, it's all supposed to be in fun, yes. so we don't want to stress out our pets. Again, uh, Natalie, uh, with the uh, Hancock County Humane Society, and now uh, Forrest is out. out. Yeah, yeah. He's showing you off can his, his non-limb. <laughs> And you can hear him. You can kind of hear him purr in there. He's, he's checking everything out. Uh, Natalie, thanks very much for dropping by. Thank we appreciate you. it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So check us out online. And coming up tomorrow on the program, it is a Findlay tradition, the Cops and Kids Halloween Parade. And they are still in need of volunteers to pull it off. We'll tell you how you can be a part of the fun. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.